Try to bring a thought that uh, has been on my mind off and on for the past uh, couple days, couple weeks even, and try to help someone, uh, and help the church, and help us as Christians here this evening. Psalms 23, very familiar scripture. We'll read verse number four, and um, we'll start there. The Bible reads like this: Yea, though I walk through the valley. Of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Um, I underlined in my Bible the last few statements out of verse number four. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And tonight, for just a brief moment, I want to teach on the thought, comfort me. Comfort me. It's a declarative statement. It's a faithful statement. Uh, an act of faith. And the psalmist here, no doubt, is David. And uh, notice what he says. He says, for thou art with me. Well, that's uh, a big pill to swallow right there. The Lord's with us. He's with his people. He is with uh, uh, every Christian individual that will honor him and love him. And boy, that is a wonderful word of faith to know that he is with us. But then we notice uh, in the latter part of this verse that he's with us. We know he's with us because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And any of you that studied your Bible, these preachers, if they preached any length, they preached about a shepherd and taught about shepherds. And, uh, and so we have the idea of Psalms 23 is a picture of a shepherd and his sheep. And uh, anyone that studied shepherds, we, we know that a shepherd has two tools that he uses as uh, he farms and leads his sheep. One being the rod and the other being his staff. Um, notice that in this, these verses here that uh, as the shepherd cares for his flock, he uses the rod. The rod is used... Uh, as a uh, tool of correction. Uh, it, is, it is what he uses to correct that sheep. Um, some, uh, some say, well, you should not hit your livestock. Well, if they keep getting out of line and they keep butting you, somebody's got to get hit somewhere. Somebody's going to get knocked in the head. And a good shepherd will watch out for his sheep. And, and um, I, I read one time that a, a shepherd, he uses this rod. Uh, for correction, when he had a sheep, one that, one sheep that kept getting out of the uh, uh, out of the fence or out of the way from the flock, he'd take that rod and he would knock it in the head or wherever he the flanks, wherever to get it get its attention and get it back with the rest of the flock. Because if that sheep uh, was uh, going to continually be unruly, it would eventually lead the whole flock astray. And uh, so how do we know that God is with us? First of all, we know that He corrects His children. Does it not thrill your heart today to know that when we do wrong, God's Holy Spirit corrects us and shows us where we've done wrong? You say, well, that, that does not feel good to me. No, it doesn't feel good, but it lets us know that we are His children. Notice this. Flip all the way to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. Now I'll do some reading tonight uh, that might help you uh, to, uh, to have some comfort now. 
Hebrews chapter number 12. Notice verses 6 through 11. Now pay attention to what God's word says. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as, as with sons. Uh, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are ye all partakers, and are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily uh, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless afterward. It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Well that tells us friend that when we become children of God... He will correct us. He will chasten us. And boy, isn't it good to know that the God of heaven looks down on our life and He corrects us. And I, I was uh, I remember what Stephen was preaching on Sunday morning, and I'm not here to give a rerun of what uh, the preacher preached on. But I do want to say this today. As he was preaching, and he said that when we stray off or veer off, there's someone on the inside that tells us, don't do that. Don't stray away. And if we get to the point in our Christian walk when we can do wrong and it does not bother Come us, on. there's something Come wrong on. somewhere. We need to repent, confess, and do everything we can to get back in fellowship with God. And, uh, and that is uh, the, the, the idea that we need to realize the comfort that we have as children of God, that God corrects us and He delivers us in our correction. And I want you to understand this also as, as well, that God's rod is a real tool. It's not just a tool, a metaphor that we write about or that we, the, the psalmist writes about. It is, a, it is a real tool in the children of God's life. I remember growing up as little boys, I got my fair share of spankings. I think I got more than Wes did. I, I don't know. I don't know why, but uh, and, and Weston, he never, never did he get spanked. Never got a whoop. And uh, uh, and I'll tell you this: every now and again, I've had to be taken out to the old woodshed to get my attention. And I remember one time, Dave. Uh, took uh, us out to eat with some people of the church, and he warned us good. He said, boys, you act up in this restaurant. When you get home, you're getting a spanking. And I know that's not politically correct today. Now, but hear me out. And uh, he said, you're getting a spanking. Well, you know what happened, Jack? We got home, we got a spanking. And uh, so I looked over at Les, I said, I just don't think we deserve this. And uh, and, and, and next thing I know, here we are, we've lined up, we got more than a spanking. And I thought, Lord have mercy, why in the world does Daddy have to spank us every time we do wrong? But you know what the problem was? The problem wasn't Daddy, it was his boys. They needed some correction. He didn't do that because he was angry with us. He didn't do it because he hated us. He did it because He loved us. And that's how God deals with His children. We do wrong. He uses His rod of correction. And what is that rod of correction? First of all, it's His Holy Spirit. His, His Spirit convicts us when we do wrong. He does not condemn us. 
Friend, our sins are under the blood the moment we give our lives to Jesus. Our sins are covered with His blood. That means the past sins, present sins, and future sins that are under the blood of Jesus. Thank God evermore. Don't you understand this as well? That as God's people, when we do wrong, He takes His rod of correction not to condemn us, but that we might bear more fruit. That is the idea that we need to understand. And my dad did not uh, use, uh, uh, well, he used a belt in his day. And, 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 uh, and by the way, our lives and our world would be a lot better off if we'd use that, uh, that, that rule of correction again today. All right? And listen, hear me today. We are chastened or chastened because God loves us. He does not want us to veer off out here like that old sheep and, and, or over there like this wandering sheep over there and lead others astray. And God's uh, chastening is just for a moment. It's not forever. It is just for a moment to correct us. And notice this, uh, his staff as well. Notice this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There, what Paul said to the church of Corinth. He says in verse number 11, uh, verse number 32 of chapter 11 and th 31 and 32. See, he says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. And uh, Paul is telling the church of Corinth in chapter number 11, he's dealing with the Lord's table and uh, about taking uh, the Lord's table serious about taking the bread and the wine and, and uh, our, uh, the, the, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ and taking it serious. And he says, before we do that, we need to judge ourselves. But it's not just at the Lord's table where we need to judge ourselves. It comforts us to the fact that we judge ourselves, look inwardly, see where we are with God. And when we are uh, real with ourselves and we see that sin that needs to be confessed, we lay it before the feet of the throne of God at Jesus' feet. He covers that with His blood already has and He wipes away the guilt that we have and it comforts the believer when we lay it at His feet. And uh, I want you to understand, when, when was the last time you looked deep, deep inside your heart? And you are comforted with the fact that you can confess your sins before God. And God will cleanse you and make you a fit subject for His kingdom word. Then He says that if we, if we, when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. And so here's, here's how we keep the rod of correction off us and keep comfort in our lives. First of all, we look on the inside. Look where we are. Look where we are spiritually as Christians. If we confess and repent, there's not going to be no chastening. But friend, when we don't, God says, all right, if they're not going to pay attention, I'm going to get my rod of correction. I'm going to get my staff out. And I'm going to let them know that I'm God and they're not living exactly right. How many of you here tonight can identify with God's chastening hand? I can. I, I've been whipped many a time by God. He's had to take me out to the tool shed. And it's a comfort to me to know that God loves this man enough 
that he'd take me out to God's woodshed and set me down and let me have a good talking and then I get, give a good uh, chastened hand of correction on me uh, because he loves me, not because he hates me. Listen, it doesn't feel good at the time. It is not something that I choose to uh, to want or desire to go through, but I'm, I'm honored to the fact that God loves me enough to correct me. And does that not comfort the child of God tonight? One way we know we're saved, first of all, is we love the brethren. And second of all, we know we're saved because He chastens us when we do wrong. And you'll notice this as well in this 1 Corinthians there, uh, that judgment uh, will come to the child of God that will not repent. It's going to come. You say, well, how, who did it come to? Let me give an example. Flip back to the book of Job. Everybody says, well, Job, he was a perfect man. He was. He was a good man. He eschewed evil. But there were some things that God had uh, uh, to get across Job's mind and his heart but that he was not doing right. He was not living right. Job 32, watch this in verse number 1. He says, so these three men, this, these were his three friends, ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. And some writers believe that's the statement of his friends. Some believe that it is, it is the statement of God uh, saying to Job. But Job was a man that was, uh, according to this verse, if he's coming from God saying this, that means God saying Job was a self-righteous man at times. Are you listening? Here's one of God's greatest men that ever walked through the pages of Scripture. He went through some of the hardest things uh, that a child of God could ever go through. And God says, Job, you know, your friends aren't right, but if you want to look real close, you're not exactly right either. He eschewed evil. He loved God, but he's a man that was blessed. And God said, all right, Job, if you're not going to look inwardly, I'm going to make you look inwardly, and I'm going to take everything you got. We'll take your health, your wealth, your children, your family. I'm going to make your own wife turn against you. And he said, I'm, I'm going to make you look on the inside. And God chastened Job and got his attention. Notice this in chapter 42 of Job, verse number 6. Here's what Job said about himself after he looked at himself. He says, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. We all know the story of Job and how all that he had and then God gave him double what he had. And it's almost like this. Let me paint the picture for just a minute. We all have those uh, roses, uh, rose bushes, the knockout roses in our, our, our yard for some of us do. And uh, they're one of my favorite flowers to watch grow. They grow within season and, and they're very hardy. But you know how to make that thing produce more blooms each year as you cut the blooms off. And you also take those blooms. You can go further than that. You want it to bloom even more, make it a more beautiful uh, a plant. You can cut it down to the ground, and it won't die. It'll put back prettier the next year than what it was the year before. And God did the same thing to Job. God took him and chopped him down and said, I'm going to chasten you. And within season, the Bible doesn't say how long that Job was in his discomfort and his distress. doesn't say how long he was down and out. But the Bible does say one day he sprang forth again and his chastening hand was over and the comfort that he received was double of what he had before. And I want to say to you, dear friend, you may be here right now 
right now and you say, preacher, you have no idea what I'm going through, what my family's going through. God is doing a work in your life. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because God is doing His perfect work in you today. Oh, dear friend, what a precious comfort it is to know that God will not leave us comfortless. When we're in trouble, He comes to our rescue. When we're out in sin, He convicts us and brings us back. And I want to say this tonight in, the, uh, in, in this lesson this evening, friend. God is not just a God of one-time chances. He's a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. But I want to say somewhere in that chance that God loves us. If we cross over that line where we say, all right, God, I'm going to go my way. You have your way, God. God's got every right to take His hand of uh, chasing away from us and say, you go ahead and have your way all you want to. And your life will end up in an early grave. I've seen that. We all have. But Job was a man that was accustomed to the chastening hand of God. Boy, I tell you, I appreciate it when God when God uh, takes his hand and lets me know that I'm one of his and says, son, you don't do that. Isn't that a comfort for you today? You say, I, all y'all sitting here looking at me going, oh, that doesn't comfort me. It comforts me to know that he loves me enough to correct me. I want you to notice this as well, uh, that Christians, one thing we can know we've got comfort in is that we are his children. Notice this, Philippians chapter number three. I'm going to hurry be real short tonight. Philippians chapter number 3. Notice what Paul said to the church of Philippi. This was Paul. Remember, Paul was a great, great man. Man, man, he was the apostle called out of due time. And here he is in verse number 4, chapter number 3. He says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have whereof, he might trust in the flesh. I more. He says, Paul said, Look, I've got all the credentials. I've got all the education. I knew everything. I was very self-righteous, self-confident. And God, he said, I had all the credentials. But notice in verse number 5, he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews. As touching the law, he was a Pharisee. He knew it all. But notice this, he's concerning zeal. He persecuted the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And Paul was a man that was man When he walked in a room back in his day before he stopped on the road to Damascus, everybody paid attention to Paul or Saul. He was God, he was a, if you'll have it this way, he was God's man for the Pharisees. Everybody looked up to him. But I want to say this tonight. The biggest man that's ever walked the face of the earth, other than Jesus Christ, they can fall. They can. Listen, preachers, every preacher that carries a Bible under their arm does not mean they're God called, does not mean they're right with God, does not mean that they're doing everything perfect. If you look close enough under the microscope that God has, uh, in God's eyes, there's some fault in every Christian's life. 
Can I get a witness on that tonight? Every preacher, I don't care who he is. Listen, Billy Graham, the greatest uh, evangelist that our generation will have, probably the world will ever know, had faults about him. But he was God's man. But I tell you the secret to staying, uh, having the comfort of knowing that you're with God and God's with you is when God chastens you, you learn to repent and confess right then. Don't drag that sin around. Stay away from it. Get away from it. And trust in the living God. Amen. And Paul was that man. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. But God said, all right, I'm going to strike him down the road to Damascus. I'm going to get his attention, soften his heart. And I might even change his eyesight the way he walked. They said, Paul the Apostle, from what I've studied and read, Brother Colby, uh, he was uh, considered a dwarf, if you'll have it. He was a short man. A man with uh, that, I know, uh, that had ophthalmia. His eyes bulged out. And, and some even say he was beaten so bad that he walked with a limp and crippled. Uh, but he was still God's man. Listen, this was God's man that refused to quit, refused to give up. He changed the world for Jesus. Christ pinned down the majority of the books of the New Testament. But I want to say that man was not perfect and God had his hand of chastening on him and it was a comfort to Paul knowing that he was God's son, that he was loved of God. And I'll tell you, it comforts me to know that God chastens me when I'm wrong. He'll do it to Paul. He'll do it to David. He did it to Job. Don't you think for a second he won't do it to us, amen? He'll do it. Thank God He does. He doesn't do it because He hates us. He does it because He loves us. Paul was broken. He was made to be broken so that he could wholly work for the Lord. Notice, I found this and I forgot to bring it in. I left my phone in the car and I was going to read it to you. I'll try to do it from memory. Did you know this? That a, a grape has got to be broken before it can produce grape juice or even wine. Do you know this? An olive has to be crushed before it can seep out its wonderful oil. Are you listening? Do you know a diamond has to go through pressure uh, before it can ever become a diamond? You ever thought about that? And all these wonderful gifts that we have and enjoy. Listen, God is, has a process in the child of God's life. And you look around and say, Preacher, it doesn't comfort me when I'm chasing of God. Not at the time it doesn't. But I tell you this, when God chastens us, He's taking His child and He's, he's squeezing that, uh, that oil out of that olive. He's, he's pressing that coal and He's making a diamond uh, in the rough. And listen, that diamond's going to be made forth one day. And all the times that I've been in the chastening hand of God and I look up to God and say, God, why this hurts? I don't understand. I don't want to be here. But then I look back to where I am now in my Christian walk and I look back and say, God, you're doing a work in my life I could not understand at the time. Thank you for letting me just be your child. Amen. One thing I've tried to focus on in the past uh, uh, few years of my life, more than anything, more than preaching, is just my relationship with God. I want to be closer to Him than I want to be. I want to be closer to God more than I want to be closer to the book board. I'd rather be right in my relationship with God than be right with my fellow man. If I'm right with God, then I'll be right with the fellow man. They may not be right with me, but I'm trying my best to be right with them. What I'm saying to you is this tonight. 
Is it, does it not comfort you to know when you veer off and do wrong that God brings us back? It might not feel good. Thank God that He chastens us. Three things we know. First of all, God is with us. Psalms, uh, Psalms 23. Flip back to Psalms 23 and I'm closing. Notice that the, the psalmist David, I'd, I'd love to teach the entire psalm, but I didn't have time tonight. And maybe we'll do that one other day. But he says, for thou art with me. One way we know that he's with us is that he's got a rod that will strike us when we do wrong. He's got a, a staff that comforts us uh, uh, because he protects us from evil with that staff. And then I want you to notice this. Notice this. Flip, that, flip down, uh, jump down to verse number five. He says, thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He's always preparing for his child. You know, every step you go through, every trouble, every trial, he's prepared it. The steps are a good, of a good manner, ordered by the Lord. I look at my life, and dare I say this, in a Baptist church. And I look back at Gretchen's life and what she's went through and my kids have went through. And I say, God, why? Why, why? So Gretchen looks up to heaven and says, why, why, why? And then look at where, look where we are today. How God has richly blessed us. Right now, y'all may not realize this, but right now Gretchen is recording every time I teach, every time I preach, and she has uh, been putting on a, a podcast, that's what it's called. And we're reaching people, more people now than I've ever reached in my life because of the internet. And there's people tuning in. Uh, if I remember right, we're reaching the 97% of the people that we're reaching are in America. And I've got 1% in Nigeria, Ethiopia, uh, where are the others? Germany. Uh, you know, all over the world, people have found the broadcast and are faithfully listening what's being taught and preached in this North Georgia area. <laughs> I remember praying years ago, about five years ago, God expand my borders. Lamar, I can't explain it, but somehow I'm reaching more people now than I've ever reached in my life. And half of them, you know, the majority of them, I'll never see until I get to heaven. And I'm looking at my life and I say, God, I didn't like it, I hated it. Everything I went through, but I've got two beautiful kids. I've got a wonderful wife. Then I've got a third one there that's just been added just because. That old song, the Christmas song that Faith Hill sings, a baby changes everything. That is so true. <laughs> changes everything. And everybody says, well, you shouldn't be proud of the life you have now. Son, I'm proud. I'm thankful. Everything I've went through, everything I've been able to go through and see and witness, and I tell you, I give God all the glory for everything that I've went through and been able to accomplish. And I hear a lot of the Baptist preachers saying, he, he's not right. Well, biblically, I'm right. I'm saying all this to, say, to, to share this, and I'm done. God has chastened this man enough, and I know when he's chastening me, and I say, thank you, God. It's a comfort that he would even think to even love me and be his child and then chase him. That's the lesson tonight. Does anybody have anything you'd like to say?